Welcome back, listeners. Morse code again. Josh has left the bunker for frozen yogurt, and I am in the process of hacking his computer for a top-secret recording. I'm in. Okay, I see a bunch of folders here. Uh, birthday gift ideas for wife, plans to take over the world. Aha! Very important. This must be it. Never mind. These are pictures of dogs. I respect you, Josh. Wait, I found it. Top secret recording. Here we go. Hmm. He has a guest speaker. Ruth Sukup. Talking about her book, it seems. Alright then. Let's do this. Ruth, thank you so much for coming to my underground Larry. I mean, it is, it's kind of a cool place. It's kind of got this James Bond villain vibe to it. The reason I like it is because I think it is probably the most secure place that I could possibly find for this project. And, uh, you know, and I'm so glad uh, that as I'm, I'm doing this research, I mean, you were clearly someone um, that I knew would be perfect for this because, you know, if if I'm looking at researching and finding out how do people build their success? How do they build their authority? How do they build their influence? There's so many things emotionally that can get in the way of that. And I know that, you know, I think what you've condensed it down into is, you know, the fact that we're, most of us, I mean, we're scared, right? I mean, it's, that's normal. Yes. And we think it's not normal and we don't always call it fear either. I think sometimes we call it anxiety. Sometimes we call it being stuck. Mm. Sometimes we call it analysis paralysis. There's so many different names for it, but what it all boils down to a lot of times is fear. And it is wow. like the number one, number one thing that holds us back and keeps us stuck. Do you think that uh, social media and that our connected lives have influenced this in some way? I think sometimes, I think sometimes it can, you know, especially if, if, if you struggle with feelings of inadequacy or feelings of self doubt, if you're a self doubter, uh, then it can seeing other people doing things can make you can increase those feelings of, of self doubt or, or anxiety. I think, but I think a lot of times the fear that happens for so many of us happens subconsciously. We don't even actually know it's fear because how we experience it is, is as truth. We think everybody feels that way. We don't realize that fear is unique. Our fear is unique to us, the specific way that fear is manifesting itself in our lives. And so we experience that as truth. And so until you can figure out, okay, what exactly does my specific fear look like? Then, then you can start to figure out how to combat it and how to fight back against it and how to overcome it and, and work with it um, in a way that's actually productive for you. I think it's really easy for so many of us to look at others that are maybe more visible than um, most people in our circle, um, just simply because maybe they have a bigger audience, they've built a bigger business. And so we just naturally, they just kind of pop up in our feed a little bit more often. Um, and so we see that someone may be having like this big six figure launch and, you know, they've got all of this social proof. Um, they've built up all this authority. They're getting invited to, to speak at events. And I feel like sometimes, uh, we're not, 
looking at their journey comprehensive. Oh, like we're not in totality. We're only looking at that particular snapshot based on the thing that they are sharing. Uh, and so, and I, and I know that they don't mean to make others uh, feel bad when there's like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I got invited to speak at Social Media Marketing World or, you know, I got invited, you know, to do this or that or here I am on TV or here's my best-selling book called Do It Scared, you know. <laughs> you know all of <laughs> Not best-selling yet, but hopefully. <laughs> no, it's, oh, come on, please. It's inevitable at this point. <laughs> so, um, but when we see that, I mean, it's, can, can you kind of, let's talk about that just a little bit more. Um, in, in our, per, our perception of the world on social media impacts our emotions. It can, it can impact very positively, but I think that there are, there are just some elements to it that and I think it's very healthy of us to say, wait a minute, I'm not seeing the real world here. And oh, so yeah. there's no way I can measure myself up against this. No, I think we, it's easy to forget that what we see on social media is the highlight reel of people's best, best moments. And, and, and so often the narrative that, that we use in our, in our businesses, I mean, I, I do the same thing in my business. I have a, a narrative that if I'm talking to somebody or introducing myself, you know, you give the, the 30 second synopsis of how great you are. And, um, or sometimes it's the five minute synopsis of how great I am or how far I've come or how I've built this amazing seven figure business in my life. But that narrative is, is still only the, the best of the best highlights. It does not, it doesn't tell you the number of times I have been, if, on the floor in a fetal position, feeling completely inadequate or the number of times I wanted to quit or the number of tears. I mean, just even like writing the book is so terrifying. And this is my sixth book. I mean, I, and it's about fear of all the things. So ironically, I've never been more terrified in my entire life. And I've had like, I don't even just in the last two weeks, I've had probably five different meltdowns where I've been sobbing to my husband about how, how I can't write, how everybody's going to hate this, how, what am I doing? I have no idea. I'm such a loser. I'm such a failure. I mean, those are the things that come out all the time. And thank goodness I have somebody in my life who's like, like, basically wants to slap me across the face sometimes and be like, get a hold of yourself, woman. You got, you got this covered. But I think that we don't always, we don't, when we see people out there and I have found this to be true. And I, I don't know if you've had too. you know, the, the more I get to talk to people who I view as super successful, who I th- put, have put on a pedestal and who I think, oh my gosh, they have it all together. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, but they obviously know what they're doing. It, it, it all comes out. Everybody feels like we don't know what we're doing. Every, every entrepreneur I have ever met, no matter how successful they are, has a million of these feelings of self-doubt and self-questioning and thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing or I'm terrified over and over and over. And I think that's, that's why I'm so passionate about, about this idea of doing it scared. And it's because it's been my own motto all through growing my business. It's been my motto throughout my my adult life of just you, courage doesn't mean that you're never scared and, and being successful doesn't mean that you're never going to feel the fear, but you still have to be able to take action. Even, even despite, despite feeling like you're not qualified to do it. 
You know, and uh, so I definitely want to talk about your assessment and kind of, you know the fear archetype um, that that we that we share. Um, you know, in my own experience, I remember having failed in business a number of times, and when I launched Savings Angel, I didn't feel like for, number one, I, I felt like well, I don't have any business success to speak of. And, and here I am trying to promote that, oh, this is a successful thing. Ah, you can trust me. You know, but meanwhile, I'm feeling like, oh, you know, my gosh, I, I feel like I feel like a phony. And I think that that <laughs> word, right there, I got to tell you, Ruth, is that word, it, it petrifies me. Mm. Uh, that I don't know what it is psychologically, uh, but someone calling me out. I mean, that's my, like my worst nightmare. Someone calling me out and saying, you're a fake, you're a phony. And I wish I'd never lays eyes on you. You know, kind of, you know, kind of that. that I think that's actually what Sandy said in Greece, by the way. <laughs> to Dan. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know what it is, you know, but that, that really scares the heck out of me. And it's what's kept me from starting a podcast sooner than I did um, with Savings Angel, which I launched over five years ago. I would have launched it seven to eight years ago, had I not been so afraid of that new level of vulnerability where I felt like people were going to judge me. No one's Mm -hmm. really said anything too harsh (laughs) over the past five years, but for whatever reason, like that fear kept me from doing what I knew I needed to do. Like I felt it in my heart. I -hmm. felt that, you know, maybe that's what God wanted for me, but I just, I I kept saying no, or I kept not listening to that uh, because it was just um, like I could I could do something a little less painful, I guess. Yeah. And what's so interesting about that is like for you, that fear of, oh my gosh, what are other people going to say? Or how are they going to judge me? They're going to tell me I'm a phony. Like that for you, that fear is so acute. Right. Yeah. And that, and that is like, that's what holds you back and keeps you stuck. So my guess is that if you took our fear assessment, you'd probably be people pleaser would probably be pretty high up there on, on your score because the fear of being judged is right there. And, but what's so interesting is that while that feels so true and is true to you, that has happened, like that's the self-talk that's happening. That's the voice in your head. That's how you experience fear. Uh, That's not how everyone experiences fear. Mm -hmm. So for instance, for me, I, I don't really have a fear of what other people will think of me. I'm not really people pleaser is not high on my score, but I have like, I'm off the chart on my outcast score. So my fear, my deepest fear is rejection. So where you're worried about how people are going to perceive you and how you're going to be judged. I worry about being actually rejected. And so the way that I, that often has manifested itself in my life and my business is that I um, don't want to ask for help. I've never been good about collaboration or reaching out to people or even like wanting to pitch myself to brands and to do, to work that way, because I'm always afraid that I'm going to be rejected. I have this sort of, um, this innate, like, I don't need you. I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out myself. I don't, you know, I've always felt like if I'm not invited to, if I'm not invited to speak, I don't need you. I don't want to speak anyways. You know, it was always this like almost self-sabotage of, of like cutting people off before I could have a chance to let them reject me. And it's something that I've really like, now that I've realized that about myself through doing, through writing this book and doing all this (laughs) self-work on fear, it's really, it's been amazing 
to be consci- conscious of it and to be conscious about moving past it also, because that's where it's, it's once you can start to identify the patterns in your life and the, identify how fear is uniquely impacting you and holding you back and keeping you stuck, that's when you can start to do, to do something about it. You know, I, this is, uh, I'm so glad that we're talking about this. I, you know, there's been other instances. I'm just now, I've just been, you know, I, in, in preparation for our conversation, you know, I've been thinking about my own experiences. Another one, and, and again, some of these, I mean, I, I feel like fear can sometimes be so ridiculous. Um, like if we were to actually talk it out with somebody, they'd be like, why are you, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, to, I guess, understand, you know, what someone has built up psychologically. I remember like even so with savings angel, like I'd been in the media over like 15, 1800 times, 2000 times, whatever it was. And I remember when I was going to start helping people do the same thing, like Ruth, I thought for sure, like there was going to be some PR licensing body or some PR police was going to come after me and say, wait a minute, you're practicing public relations without a license. So you're you know, a rule follower too. I, yeah, a little bit, you know, I'm not, but it was just this fear. Like I would have, I I would have imagined that I would have just told him, told him to go jump in a lake, but still (laughs) like, it's still, you know, I I was like, well, am I allowed to do this? I don't know. Yeah. And and that's, that's for the, that's the rule follower fear archetype coming uh, out in you. So for the rule follower, there's a fear of, uh, almost like an anxiety and underlying anxiety. Anytime yeah. you feel like, oh my gosh, there's going to be somebody that's going to tell me I'm doing it, doing it wrong or breaking the rules. Even though if, if there, even if the rules are nebulous, in fact, for a rule follower, it's even scarier when the rules are not clearly laid out because there's this feeling that there's some authority figure somewhere that's going to crack down on me if I get this wrong. And it's almost, it's like an unhealthy fear of authority. So that might not be your top fear archetype. I guess people pleaser might be your top one. It's definitely my wife. (laughs) I I can. Oh, absolutely. Really? Yeah. Yeah. She, you know, even, so she's a, a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's really good at what she does. But, you know, I mean, she's, I mean, she's had so much success, so much experience at it, but even, you know, she's like, oh my gosh, I, I I don't know why these people trust me, (laughs) but she's like phenomenal at what she does. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's so funny. You did a, for the book, do it scared, um, which, so it's, it's going to be published by Zondervan. And so, uh, like in terms of like where 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 are you going to sell it? Are you is it going to be in bookstores? Are you going to sell it through your website? Like how are you distributing it? All of the above. So it's everywhere books are sold. Um, basically, yeah. it's going to be in Target and on Amazon, yeah. Barnes and Noble, and um, it's we have it on on our online shop too, or in our online shop. And do you say on or in? Um, <laughs> it's pretty much anywhere you can buy a book. You can all the independent bookstores. It'll be it'll be everywhere. That's wonderful. Do it scared. And I'm, I'm really, really excited to see this in the hands of so many good people, because I know, you know if we were to add up, Ruth, all of the inaction throughout the globe because of fear, and if, if you were to impact that on just even just a small scale, you think of how much creation happens as a result of removing that fear. It's and, kind of you know, crazy. Yeah. And, and I happen to like, I think philosophically, like in terms of like my view of, of God or, uh, you know, just creation, it's like, I, I feel like 
the more that we can be in that creator space, I think the closer we are to, uh, you know, just like our, our divine self. Uh, and, but yet it's amazing. You know, it's that fear for me, it's usually very, um, kind of earthly, uh, you know, secular stuff that that's where fear comes from generally for me. Uh, and so it's, when you look at it in that duality, uh, I think of just like what would happen if we could just unleash, you know, the, this, this just powerful inner creative self to do the things, uh, that, that, that fear is, is keeping us from. It's really powerful stuff. You're, you're playing, you're playing with big, uh, (laughs) some big forces here, my friend. (laughs) Well, it's, it's true. And it's amazing because I've, I've already like, I've been lucky enough to see the impact that this message is having. And we, you know, we have in my community, I've been talking about do it scared for a long time. I've been doing a podcast with do it scared and, and starting to really bring out these themes. And I've never seen the types of transformations, um, in people until like, since I've been doing do it scared, I, I mean, just, Every single day I get messages and emails from people going, oh my gosh, this has, this has changed my life. I was so afraid to, you know, whatever it was like between starting a business or paying off debt or losing weight, or, I mean, it's, it applies to so many different areas of our lives. I mean, I've had women tell me that they have been in abusive relationships that they were afraid to leave and have finally like worked up the courage to do that now and to do these things that they think they can't possibly do. And, and if that is like, it's amazing because I know exactly how much fear has played a part in my own, own life. And that was actually what got me interested in, in doing this work in the first place or addressing this message in the first place, because I had so many members of my community saying, you know, Ruth, you're talking about setting big goals and going after your goals and dreams and creating a life you love. And I, I want to, but I'm scared to, and I don't, I feel like I'm sitting on the sidelines. I feel like I'm completely stuck and I don't know how to move past this. So what do I do? And, and it wasn't just one or two people that came and said that to me. It was like, dozens of people like over and over and over. I kept hearing the same types of things and it it got me so curious. Like, what is this? Why does fear hold us back? What does it look like? Is it the same for all of us? And what can we do about it? Because that's, that's the crux of it, right? If, if fear is, if fear affects all of us, if it's impacting all of us, there are, there are some people that are out there crushing it and there are some people are not. So what's the difference and how do we all become that person that is willing to face those fears because like we, like we were just talking about the people that are successful, they're scared too, but they're willing to do it scared. So if, if you can figure out how to do that too, you can start to create that success in your life. Yeah. So it's, so I, I don't mean to get right to the end here and <laughs> explain how uh, the Avengers topple Thanos, uh, but <laughs> is, is the, is the premise that we don't need to obliterate fear that we just like, look, fear is going to be there, but you do it anyway. I mean, I'm extrapolating from the title anyway. It says do it scared. So, I mean, but that, that's the thing. It's, it's not like you're going to, so you're not going to remove fear, but I, I feel like action is however, going to be a little bit of an antidote, right? Yes. Action is definitely the antidote to fear. And the, the thing about it is that when you can learn to do it scared 
in small ways. And it starts with what we were talking about, identifying how fear is impacting your life specifically and the unique ways that it's playing out in your life. Because so much of it happens subconsciously without us knowing. So we experience it as truth. We don't know that these messages are, are even fear in our life. We might not identify it as that. But once you can identify it that way, that's when you can start to reframe it and take those action steps. And you take small action steps. And each action that you take will build up that courage muscle. It'll build up your antidote to to the fear in your life so that you might, it's might still be there, but you'll be more equipped to be able to handle it and to do a little bit scarier and a little bit harder thing the next time and a little bit scarier and a little bit harder thing the next time. So that fear is always there, but you know that you are, a, you are able to continue taking action even in the face of that fear. Yeah. You know, I went to a date with destiny with Tony Robbins and, and he, I think he talked about fear a little bit and, and I think he, has kind of developed for himself this idea that he gets ex- a little bit excited when he he senses fear and that he he you know his response to it is like ooh a worthy opponent you know <laughs> and, and and I wonder too and sometimes when I like let's say for example it's um you know, like uh, something having to do with sales or business or something that reaching out, something that might be a little bit fearful because I might get rejected. Um, is it, Do you think that sometimes fear can be an indication of, ooh, do that? I think, it, yes, I think absolutely. I think that there's there could be a good kind of fear and a bad kind of fear. I mean, fear is like... The idea of fear, fear is designed as a protection instinct, right? It is there to protect us and to keep us safe. And in fact, if you are not afraid, if you're never afraid, then it's actually like a sign of mental illness if you don't feel fear. So it's there to protect us and keep us safe. And yet at the same time, can sometimes keep us trapped. And so you've got to be able to start to recognize that. Like sometimes there is the, that feeling of fear, that fire in your belly, it's a good kind of fear, the motivating fear, the fear that goes, oh, I feel like this is terrifying. And that's why I know I have to do that. But I think that only happens. And this is, this is my hunch on this, that it happens like Tony Robbins has been mastering fear and been like doing it scared for years and years and years. So now he recognizes that feeling as like, oh, this is my next step because now he sees fear as an ad, as a worthy adversary, as you called it, versus in the beginning, it just feels terrifying, right? So right. that's why it's so important to do it scared. But to start, to start small, start with the little thing and then do the next little thing until you get to the Tony Robbins level where you're like, yeah, bring it, bring it, baby. I can do this. And I, you know, I was, I was just talking to somebody about this um, not too long ago. Um, and that's, I feel like that's how it's been in my business. You know, I've grown this amazing seven figure business that now people look at and they're like, Oh my gosh, how did you do this thing? You must've known exactly what you were doing the whole time. And I think, Oh my gosh, it could not have been further from the truth. When I started, I was a mom of two toddlers, a stay at home mom. I was spending too much money at target. I needed to find something that wasn't going to target. So I decided to write a blog about living well and spending less. That was so ridiculous because I was like not spending less. I was spending more, which is why I needed to stop spending so much. And, um, 
I, you know, I was doing like for me, starting that blog was a scary step and it was a small step. And then the next scary step was learning how to make videos. And I made my, I was terrified of being on video, but I did, I made a YouTube video about couponing and that terrified me. I could have never imagined the things that I do now in my business. I could have never imagined, you know, starting my own conference and speaking in front of thousands of people and doing any of the things that I do now, but I had to start with that thing. But now when I look at these bigger challenges, I go, yeah, bring it on because I've dared to do it scared all along the way. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. You know, one thing that we talked about uh, early on was the um, this idea that I think, uh, particularly with anxiety, um, it it feels so real and it feels like that that is universally true, that, that anxiety, when in fact, I wonder what role it, it would, it would have to say, okay, that is not me. And, and to actually try to maybe even just intellectually separate yourself. Um, I I know I've had to do this uh, when I say, um, you know, right now, that's just like this chemical emotion that's going through my body right now. And I recognize that that's not me. And I don't want to feel like that. It's like, um, you know, going up to the top of uh, the Sears Tower or Willis Tower. It's like, I know I'm safe, but yet stepping out into this glass box that was, you know, I did that. And I some stories. I know. And, <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, look, like logically, I know. There's nothing for me to be afraid of. I'm not going to die. But just, you know, there's just like this, uh, you know, this id is somewhere, you know, my uh, my survival instinct brain that just, oh, what are you dummy? You can't go out there. You're going to die. Um, but I wonder, um, you know, is is there some sort of a, of a self-talk um, process that you would recommend to kind of maybe make some steps to, you know, and I don't know if it's intellectualizing it, but you know, how does someone uh, use their rational brain to talk to their emotional brain and say, look, 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 th- this is going to be okay. Let, let me help you kind of separate and parse these things out a bit. Well, I talk about that in the, in the book, I, because I talk about why it's so important to identify exactly how fear is manifesting and playing out in your life. Because once you can take it from subconscious to conscious, then you can start to see the patterns that are happening in your life. You can start to see, oh my gosh, this is how I'm experiencing fear. This is what my self-talk looks like. And I actually walk you through that and, and share examples of that for each of the fear archetypes. So people, it's funny because people see that and they go, oh my gosh, I never realized this was what was happening, but you're right. This is exactly what's happening. I've never had something like nail it for me like this. And, but once you start to see those patterns, that's when you have more control over them. That's when you have the ability to start to stop, stop the the self-talk, stop the fear in its tracks and say, okay, I'm experiencing this right now. So for me as an outcast, I experience a lot of things as rejection. So now I can say, I am experiencing this as rejection, but this is not actually rejection. Just because somebody is saying no to me right now doesn't, it's not necessarily a reflection on me. It's not a rejection of me. They might be too busy. They might have something going on. Like it used to be like, kill me if somebody didn't respond to an email. Now I can say like, oh, it might've gone to spam or I'll reach out again. And half the time it actually has gone to spam. So, so I'm like learning along the way that like it's, 
I think those kind of things. But I, what I recommend for people is to start to replace those core beliefs that have been happening automatically without, without really thinking about it with a new set of core beliefs that I call the principles of courage, which is really just a, like a counteracting of those core beliefs that happen without us knowing it. And it's, it's, it's telling yourself and beginning to believe things like, there are no mistakes, only lessons. And so that instead of being afraid to make a mistake, you realize that every mistake is an opportunity for growth. And so that even when you do that, even when you do make a mistake, you're, you're giving yourself an opportunity to learn. And so that makes it a win, even if it feels like a loss. Now, Ruth, this isn't just, so the, the work that you've done for Do It Scared, it's not just you telling your own stories. You actually did a lot of research on yeah. this. Can you talk about Tell me about the, um, so I know you did um, some pretty big survey work um, yes. and then analyzing the data. What, what was all of that? It was pretty crazy, actually. And I think, <laughs> I think when people hear, hear this, then again, they're like, oh my gosh, that you have, how did you, how did you have this vision for this? I, I really truly believe like that just sometimes it's just a matter of having a connection with people and listening and hearing people's stories and then giving people what they need and, or answering the questions that the people right in front of you have. And that's sort of how it worked here. You know, I had so many people in, in my communities talking about fear and telling me that they were afraid and they were afraid to go forward and, and felt stuck. And so it got me really curious and I started asking questions and that led to asking more questions, which a lot eventually led to this doing this huge survey and study that we ended up, I think we ended up surveying more than 4,000 people and which was an insane amount of data. You can't even imagine how much data because we we're asking very open-ended questions. Like tell us, tell us a story of, you know, a time that you were afraid to do something and you let that fear hold you back. What did that look like? And, you know, alternatively tell me a time when you pushed past fear and what did that look like? Cause I wanted to know like, what's the sphere, but how can we fix it? So it was so much data that then I had to do something with all this data. And so I hired a whole team of researchers to help me sift through it and start to make sense of it all and to analyze it. And from there, what came out of that is that we realized that fear, A, fear looks different for everyone, but that there are some very distinct patterns, um, seven patterns specifically of the way that fear tends to play out and manifest in our lives. And so that's what we and call is the, this the, the archetype, the fear archetypes. Yeah. Right. So the seven fear archetypes and then, and then we helped, uh, or then we started to create this assessment to help people be able to identify what their own fear archetype is. And that was a whole other, a whole other piece of research and psychology. And there's a, it's amazing how much goes into creating, um, creating something like that. That's actually scientifically valid. You have to, there's all the stuff that I never knew before about bias and you have the way that you ask questions has to be neutral and you have to ask it in positive and negative and you have to confirm all the answers and crazy stuff. But yeah, so it's been about two and a half years of research and putting it all together, but it's been, it's been pretty fascinating. And like, I mean, so personally, um, like rewarding also just because it's, it's changed my life and a lot of like my whole team, it's, it's impacted, um, it's impacted so many things just on a personal level that whatever happens with the book, I think it'll be worth it. (laughs) Yeah. 
So when you talk about the archetype, would that be, um, so for example, um, you know, fear of what other people think, um, fear of authority, fear of rejection, is that, would those all be archetypes then? Well, so the archetypes have specific names. There's seven of them. There's the Uh procrastinator, which is also another word for perfectionist. The procrastinator, the underlying fear for that is the fear of making a mistake. Um, It's actually the most common of the seven archetypes. There's also the rule follower, which we talked about, which is sort of the unhealthy fear of authority, this fear of step, coloring outside the lines, of stepping out of line. Um, the people pleaser, which we also talked about, is the fear of being judged or the fear of letting people down. So one way, one important distinction to make there is, so the, for the procrastinator, there's this deep fear of making a mistake or getting it wrong versus for the people pleaser, it might on the surface appear that they fear making a mistake, but what the people pleaser fears more than making the mistake is what other people would say about making that mistake. So it's a very important distinction to make. Um, Then there's the outcast, which is the fear of rejection. One's mine. I talked about that one. There's also the self-doubter. The self-doubter has a fear of not being capable. And the way that that often plays out for the self-doubter is that, and we probably know somebody like this, somebody who's hypercritical both of themselves and of others. And so that's the person who just seems to always be picking, picking people apart, um, often comes from a place of just deep, deep insecurity and self-doubt. There's the excuse maker, which is the fear of being held responsible or the fear of being blamed. And we probably all know an excuse maker also. The excuse maker is the person who, when you're picking a restaurant for dinner, never wants to actually pick the place because they're afraid that if nobody likes it, then they're going to be the ones who have to be blamed for it. Um, And then the final one is the pessimist. And the pessimist is the fear of pain or adversity. And that the pessimist usually comes from a place of having experienced either extreme hardship or trauma or some sort of pain, illness. Um, But they get to a point where they just think, why why bother? Nothing's ever going to turn out. I'm afraid of being hurt again. And so that's that's where that's the one for the pessimist. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. Seven so, archetypes. So, so to take the assessment, then um, do do people do they do they do it in the book, or how does someone take the assessment? Uh, we ha- you can go to our website at doitscared.com, or you can go to assessment.doitscared.com and take the assessment. It's actually free to take the basic assessment that'll tell you your top archetype, and then we have um, a premium version of the assessment that will go much deeper and give you not only your top three and how those three specifically work together, but then give you your overall fear score and show you how you rate on all seven of them. Because the thing about the 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 archetypes is that we all have a little bit of all seven in us. So if you are reading through the book, and the book goes in into a lot of detail about each of the of the seven archetypes, gives examples of each one, and like really kind of makes it come alive. Um, so we all have a little bit of each of the seven, but usually we'll have one or two that are our most dominant um, fear archetypes, the ones that are really playing out, but they also interact and interplay together. And so each person sort of has their own unique fear fingerprint. And it's so, it's so important to know that because sort of just like when you go to the doctor and you say, doctor, I don't feel good. I, you know, I'm not feeling good. So what's the doctor going to do for you? The first thing the doctor has to do is diagnose the problem. You can't have a cure without the diagnosis and, and fear sort of works the same way. 
That's a, uh, I'll just, that's a smart business too. I just uh, interviewed <laughs> Ryan Levesque. Um, so <laughs> he would be very pleased with how you've set everything up. I think that's, that's really exciting, Ruth, to see. I think this should be um, very, very helpful. It'll impact a lot of good people, but I think it's going to be pretty good business for you, you Thank know, in you. solving something that I don't know that's really been addressed very well. No, it's amazing because fear does impact so much of us so strongly and it is sort of like the the base of everything and 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 the thing that holds us back in so many different areas of our life and yet it's almost like we're a lot of times we're dancing around the problem or not not getting to the crux of it which is wow this is all fear we call it a lot of a lot of other things um and it's, but it really it all comes down to fear so is it more than just action that can cause a shift in uh, adopting a new set of core beliefs? Um, I, I know in the book, like you talk about um, principles of courage. So, wh- I mean, where do we go from here? Is, the, is it, are we just always going to be scared our whole life and, <laughs> you know, gradually, you know, activity or action is, is going to help us? well, okay, that's not so scary anymore because I did that enough times. I, I didn't fail. Um, but is there, is there, is there, you know, can we achieve nirvana? I mean, is there evolution here for us? <laughs> I think there, I think there is to some standpoint. I think, you know, what we, what we talked about already, you get, you get more and more equipped to overcome fear and you get better and better at, at pushing past it and, and pushing yourself to do harder and harder things. And that builds, builds up your strength and builds up your ability to do even more things. So, well, that's, and there, I think there are things that you can at some point be not afraid of anymore, but I think other fears will, will come up, you know, but, but then you're better equipped to handle them. I think that there are some really important things to continue to do and to continue to practice in order to continue overcoming fear in your life. One thing that I I talk about a lot in the book is the importance of having truth tellers in your life, of surrounding yourself with accountability partners. I call it my truth club. Um, But people who will be the combination of someone who is encouraging you and and cheerleading you and being the person that says you can totally do this, but who is also sticking it to you when you need it and, and calling you out on your fear and, and holding you accountable and pushing you to be better. Because so many times we want people who are just going to tell us what we want to hear versus the things that we need to hear. But if you can become intentional about finding people in your life who you trust enough and you can have a great trust relationship enough that they will call you out on those things and they know where your fear is and they know when you're making excuses because so often we will make excuses for ourselves and like, and believe me, we are masterful excuse makers in our lives. And this is, I, I think I can't say this clearly enough. Like you, if you want to rationalize something and come up with an excuse for why you can't do something, you will be able to find it every single time. And sometimes your excuse might be so good that everybody on the planet would say that, well, of course they can't like that is amazing justification whether it's illness or, you know, growing up in poverty or a a history of abuse or whatever hard things have happened to you, we've all got those things. Some people have it harder than others. But if you decide to use that as your crutch and your excuse in life, and even if nobody ever faults you for that, 
that is, that's on you. Like that's going to hold, that's going to hold you back. And so having people that will call you out on that kind of stuff, as hard as it is to hear is the best thing that you can ever, ever, ever do for yourself. I think that finding someone who is willing to be that honest, that sounds like a challenge to me. I, my experience (laughs) is that, uh, you know, let's say for example, if I say, Hey, well, you know, I'm a little unhappy that I gained 10 pounds and I really need to take it up. I, I feel like most people would say, Ah, uh, Josh, that's no big deal, man. That's just living. That's life. Don't, you know, whatever yes. you do, you know, but I don't think that they would be comfortable in saying, you know, well, you know, come on, man, get your butt in gear. You, you know, it's like, I, I don't know that. I think most people are, um, they're afraid to be honest in that regard because they don't want to offend anybody. So how do you, how do you <laughs> really pull together this truth squad? Um, that's a great question. So, and that is true. A lot of times that is what most people will say. And so I think that it starts with a foundation of trust. And I do not think that this should be the relationship that you have with everyone in your life. I think that it is, it is a relationship that you reserve for a select number of people that you really know and trust because you know, in your heart of hearts, they have your best interest at at heart, that it's not coming yeah. from a place of, of just being a jerk or being or wanting to cut you down. Um, so for me and my, in my life, I'm, I'm very thankful to have a few people that are like that, but one, what is my husband? We are, you know, we're polar opposites in so many ways. And he, um, he does not, he's a stay at home dad. Now he, I retired him in 2013 when my business took off. And he, a lot of people ask us all the time, like, well, does your husband work in your business? Like, oh my gosh, no, that would be like, we, we <laughs> like being married. We, but there is no one that will give me 100% honest feedback the way that he does. And I think that that is something that I've over time, learned to be so grateful for, um, because he's not, and because we have that trust relationship. And I think even in your marriage, like, like do a, do a gut check there. Do you have the kind of relationship where you can be 100% honest with your spouse and know that they have your back no matter what, and that you feel like they have your back no matter what, because that's, that's a great place to start that. And that I would hope that for most people to have that sort of relationship. But I also have a group of three entrepreneur friends. I talk about them in the book um, who we have that sort of relationship too. There's just so there's so much trust and they will be the ones to call me out. Just like I will be the ones to call them out. If I feel like they're holding, holding back in their business or in the things that they're doing. And um, but I don't have that relationship with, you know, if I go to a conference where I don't know anybody, I don't, I have to watch, check myself because I am, I do sometimes get a little used to being too honest sometimes. Um, but there's, you have to be careful about that. So find those people and really work to build those relationships, but also be selective about those relationships that you create. Yeah. Uh, any tips on like how to evoke that from your friends or ask your friends or to build that group of friends? Because I think that there's, you know, there are people that will pay really big money to join an exclusive mastermind just so that they can get that. But I feel like, man, this shouldn't be that hard to find a truth squad. 
It starts, it shouldn't be. And I, I mean, it starts with, there's a few things. And I actually give some really specific tips in the book for, for setting this up. Um, but one of the things that I think is so essential, it starts with vulnerability. So you have to be willing to be vulnerable. And so often we're, we're not willing to be vulnerable. You know, somebody says, how you doing? How's your business going? And we put on the front, right? We want, we want to give the highlight reel. Oh my gosh, things are great. I'm doing so well. Oh, like we have our spiel all ready to go. And we might've just been in the fetal position five minutes before, but we are not going to tell most people that. And that is, that's just the reality of it. So it starts with being willing to say, to, to have people in your life that you trust enough to say, I was just in the fetal position. Things are not going well. And I need some honest feedback because this is like, this is where I'm at right now. And so that's where it starts with your, with your own vulnerability. And then I think you test that in small ways. You test like you're a little bit vulnerable. And if they reciprocate that level of vulnerability, then you know, okay, this is somebody that I can be real and vulnerable with. If they take that vulnerability and they put the wall up or, or like, well, everything's great in my business. So I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you'll, <laughs> you'll get that reaction sometimes. And yeah. I've seen that happen too. That's when I know like right away, like this is not a safe person for me. This is not, not that you can't be friendly, not that you're like have to shut them off, but it's also not the person that's going to be one of my truth tellers. So there's that. And then I think one of the other things that needs to happen is a commitment on both parties at both parties, an equal commitment to saying, I really do want to make this work. So here's, you know, here's when we're going to meet, here are the rules of engagement when we're, when we're talking about this. I mean, with my truth club, we literally will, we meet in person a couple times a year. And then we also have a standing appointment on the first Monday of the month that we meet via zoom. And we just do a little check-in like, here's how things are going when we're in our business. And you have to stay committed to that because you know, the law of nature is that chaos will ultimately ensue. So you have to be really intentional about um, keeping that up. But like you said, I mean, one thing I do recommend to people too, is if you're having trouble finding that in your day-to-day life, finding, finding some sort of paid mastermind can be, a really good thing too, because then it's, then you're, com- you're drawn to the commitment because you've invested in it and you know that everybody else has invested in it too. And there's something, I mean, we value what we pay for, right? So you're going to be pouring more into what you're paying for. I actually coach a mastermind group that, um, and they come to me four times a year, but it's, I mean, the level of vulnerability that happens in that group too is, is really incredible. So it's, I think it, I've seen it work both ways. Um, and it doesn't have to be one or the other, but there is something to be said for a paid mastermind. Yeah, I'm really, I'll be honest, Ruth, I'm kind of jealous of your truth squad. <laughs> I just really, it's, you know, because not only, you know, do you have to get so many different things right for that group, um, you know, because I've been in masterminds where, you know, they're just not, it, we're different levels business-wise or, uh, different levels of experience in business. Uh, and so, you know, some people might be coming with just different things that, I don't know, it's, it's, it's I would, been, that's, I would actually challenge on you. I would challenge you on that. So here's my, here's my food for thought because yeah. I don't think it's, it's not the level of, it's not the le- level of business expertise. And this is one thing that's really interesting about my mastermind group that I coach. Um, 
it's, it runs the gamut of, I mean, it's, it's a high level mastermind. They have to pay, you know, many thousands of dollars to be in this group. Um, but I have people who are just at the beginning stages of their business and not making all that much money yet versus people who are seven figure business owners. I, it runs, it runs the gamut. And you would think some a group like that wouldn't work. And not only that, it's all different types of businesses, um, all different niches. And uh, so there's very little, um, similarities and, and even like the, it's all, it is all women, but, I mean, it, it runs the gamut from a home, super conservative homeschooling mom to a vegan, ultra, you know, what liberal, whatever, you know, it's very, um, eclectic. like eclectic group. So completely, and, and a bunch of in people in the middle, working moms, stay at home moms. I've got non-moms and anti-moms and like you would people who would not be friends in real life at all for so many different reasons. And yet in this group, even being at different business levels at the thing that everybody has in common and the reason why it works and the reason why I picked them because people have to apply to be in my mastermind. I have, you know, like I think I had 60 applications and 13 spots last year. So I pick based on one very, um, one very, very specific thing. And that is mindset on whether or not these people, these people are givers and willing to pour into each other. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that is the difference. It is all, it is 13 women who want to pour into each other and who are willing to be vulnerable. And oh my gosh, I mean, the vulnerability that happens in that group is pretty intense sometimes, like to the point where sometimes we yell, sometimes we cry, Sometimes we, a lot of times we laugh, thank goodness, that makes up for the crying and the yelling, but it is, it is uncomfortable sometimes. We tell, like, if somebody's hiding, we call it out, but the level of vulnerability that happens, happens because there's, we've built up that trust and because people are willing to come in with their whole self. And so if the groups that you've been in are not working, I would guess that it's not a, it's not a level, a business level, um, problem. It's a problem of the wall of walls being up because when the walls are up, you can't get to that depth. Just a thought. Right. Yeah, (laughs) no, that's good. I appreciate that. Well, Ruth, um, we're out of time. I got to get the helicopter. The, I hear the (laughs) rotor, the the propellers whirring up above us. So we need to get you, get you back out of the uh, top secret uh, base here. Thank you so much. This uh, absolutely crazy, crazy valuable. And uh, I'm really, really excited about the impact of your work. This is going to be really fun to see um, what, what kind of major shifts take place as a result of people getting real about their fear uh, and, um, you know, learning themselves and, and taking action on that. And this is going to be fun. It's gonna be really fun. Ruth, thank you so much. Uh, thank you and, so much uh, for having me. This was, was fun to chat. Yeah. And one layer. thing, again, I promise <laughs> no one, this, this, this is completely private. No one's ever gonna, you know, we'll release the information and obviously people can get the book, but there's no way we're being listened to. Absolutely <laughs> not. So Ruth, thank you so much. Thank you. I've successfully uploaded the recording for you guys and downloaded the dog pictures for myself. They were pretty good. 
Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed spying on Josh with me, then subscribe to this podcast. If you want more ways to spy on Josh, then check out the website, upmyinfluence.com. This is Morse Code, over and out. I think that's actually what Sandy said in Greece, by the way. <laughs> <to Dan. laughs>